Hi, I'm Whitney Walker, and this is the Women Waken podcast, where I interview guests who are in the field of healing and spiritual work using their unique gifts of the divine feminine. We talk all about these amazing gifts that these particular guests have and how they're bringing them forth in the world. On this episode, I welcome my first time guest duos. First time having two guests on the show, Lauva and Eric. Lava and Eric are from the Spirit World Center, the organization that they run, which focuses on shamanistic practices and the exploration of the paranormal. So really cool stuff. On this episode, Eric and Lava tell us all about shamanism, really breaks down the practice and gets into the intricate, complex details about what shamanism is and how it's really about engaging with the spiritual ecosystem that's all around that. They use really cool terms like that and spirit advocacy and trance states for shamanistic journeys is really cool. So take a listen, enjoy, and here are my guests. Hello, Eric and Lauba, and welcome to the Women Waken podcast. Hello. Hello. It's wonderful to be here. So exciting to have you both. This is my first duo on the show, which is really neat. Yeah, well, you know, hopefully we we have enough to to talk about here. We're we're a bit long-winded and we tend to give long interviews, so we have a yeah. lot a lot of information for you between the two of us for sure. Yeah, we're excited to be here. Yes. Fantastic. Well, you have some incredible topics and that I can't wait to hear more about. So talk away. I'm excited to to hear from you both. So I do want to welcome you. And I'm so glad that we connected. We connected on this new platform called Audrey, which is sort of, it seems like a a network for podcasters. Yeah, it's really cool. It's like a LinkedIn for, uh, for podcasters and it's great for connecting. And, uh, yeah, I encourage any podcast hosts who are out there, check it out. Uh, We are not paid by Audrey, by the way. It's It's just a wonderful platform because you connect with people you, you will not, uh, or, or in other ways connect. So it's, it's nice. Yeah, exactly. And it's A-U-D-R-Y, not the E-Y. I know that my dog's name is Audrey. But her- <laughs> it was fate. I know. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Okay. So first I'd like to just have you both introduce yourselves. Um, and you both are in partnership. So maybe just share about, you know, that you guys work together and then what is the work that you're doing? You guys run the spirit world center and you both have strong connections with shamanism, which you're going to talk a lot about. And it sounds like you guys do some, you know, events and rituals around that. And then you also are into the paranormal. So these are all things we're going to talk about. And I'd love for you to share what that looks like right now in regards to your life and your work. Absolutely. Well, the the Spirit World Center, we are co-founders of it. And uh, absolutely right. We are uh, partners in life and uh, pretty much inseparable. Uh, And um, so we, uh, yeah, we, we operate the Spirit World Center, which is this place where people can come to learn how to interact with the spirit world through various modalities, right? One thing we say is, you know, different temperaments and talents require different techniques. And so one thing, of course, we teach is shamanism. We have an apprenticeship program in shamanism taught by uh, both of us. And in that, we 
well, we teach people over 18 months how to um, develop their shamanic abilities so that they can do things like shamanic journeying, which is entering a trance state in order to work with the spirit world in kind of a lucid dream-like situation. Mm-hmm. Um, so we do that. We also uh, offer a program on learning to work with the, the spirit world in kind of more of a ceremonial way where you are uh, you're making offerings, giving gifts, and, and creating that connection with the, the local spiritual ecosystem system around you and with your own guides and all this. So those are some of the things that we do at the center. And then a big part of what we do also is basically education and and basically kind of uh, getting the word out there to the public about the spirit world to dispel some of the fears and the myths, but also to create kind of a clearer understanding. Yeah. Right? We advocate for the spirits. <laughs> we do. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. You know, it's one of these things where it's like uh, when people are going into houses and they're clearing them and it's like, oh, everything is demons. And then they, you know, send, you know, and, and our response is, well, you know what? Some ghosts are just the little old lady who's sticking around. And like, you're just, you know, you're being quite cruel to them when you treat them like this malefic force, right? Yeah. Um, so we, we do do some kind of spirit-based advocacy. But then we also, uh, you know, teach people how to deal with a haunted house ethically yeah. and uh, in a way that, you know, that preserves your rights and boundaries and those of the spirit. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's, we, we wear many hats at the, the center, but uh, yeah. Anything to add on that? Well, I think it's, it's pretty complete. I mean, we have uh, other, um, other plans that are to come since which uh, we want to um, uh, have a course about um, more the body trends that are based on uh, the creation. It's based on the um, sculpture of ancient uh, civilization and all. It's not just for decoration, but actually the posture that they are showing uh, induced trends for specific like healing purposes. So that's something we're working on right now. And, but it's all towards, you know, the, the, the purpose of what we're doing. It's towards healing, but also having a sense of connection with something, you know, bigger than you and, you know, connection with the, the uh, unseen world. So it brings meaning to your life and you can like f- have guidance and so on. That's, yeah. Yeah, we also... Say. We also have another channeling course in the works, channeling and mediumship. That once again, it's a, a different approach to connecting with that yeah. that unseen realm, right? So, yeah. um, so with that said, maybe it's good to to jump into just what is shamanism and what we're talking about here when we're talking about yeah. working with <laughs> the spirit all world, these right? Words. <laughs> yeah. uh, so um, ultimately, you know, shamanism is this ancient technique, right? It's it's one of the oldest spiritual impulses known to humanity. It goes back uh, millennia, right? It goes yeah. back to the earliest of humans. And it's it's based on this, this natural ability that all humans have. We're born with it. It's our birthright. And that is the ability to enter trance. And it's this neurological thing that happens. But when we enter into trance, we're able to access Thing, parts of reality that would normally be hidden from us. Yes, and by trance, you know, entering a trance is, you know, just a non-ordinary state of mind, a meditative state of mind. So you have the day-to-day state of mind. When we say trance, it's not you're not necessarily like uh, shaking and having the eyes going on and so on. That's one type of trance you can go, you know, that heavy. But there's other trance when you just feel like 
your mind is, you know, your mind is aside and you, you, you're connecting with what is deep within you. You're with your core and you feel yourself, but you feel the space around you. And so we're talking about this being at your core. And that's the, that's the trends instead of being, you know, day to day, uh, filtering what's going on in the day. Mm-hmm. And shamanic practitioners have used many different techniques to access yeah. that trance state over the millennia. Um, of course, the use of uh, hallucinogens and entheogens, uh, but also you know trials of endurance, like dancing around a fire for you know three days until they collapse, or going without food and water. All these um, even kind of ritualistic poisonings where you cause so much pain in the body that you dissociate. But of course, these are these tend to be a bit more dangerous than we would advise for our students. So we certainly don't endorse them. Uh, (laughs) What we find, though, is that drumming really works. And this is because what you're trying to induce is this neurological change in the body. And uh, a drum beat of around 210 beats per minute has that effect. And, you know, it puts you into that hypnotic trance state and then you can access different parts of reality. And the, the, the thing about that trance state is that, you know, it really is something that is not unique to humans, right? Uh, I like to mention that you can, uh, you know, you can hypnotize a chicken. You basically, uh, they have like contests on how long you can keep it hypnotized. You put the beak down on the ground and then you take a piece of chalk and you slowly draw in a straight line away from the beak. And it will just be enraptured by that line and in a non-ordinary state of consciousness for like half an hour. And that's where the competition comes from. (laughs) So, you know, even animals can enter that trance state. And so it's, it really is just this neurological change, but that doesn't mean it's not putting you in contact with something bigger, much bigger. And so what is that much bigger, right? So your, your early shamans uh, back in the earliest days of human uh, civilization uh, and pre-civilization, you know, they were sitting around the fire. They were, you know, maybe entering these non-ordinary states and they were connecting with this spiritual ecosystem that was around them that was normally hidden. And um, the reason why it's hidden from us most of the time, we find, is how the brain acts as a filtering mechanism, right? So the brain is very efficient. It, uh, it basically, you know, there's so much data out there when it comes to uh, the world around you. Uh, you know, when you're walking through the forest, right, there's every leaf, there's every little sound, there's every gradation and the level of the ground, right? You, you look at a single leaf and there's almost an infinite amount of information just contained within it, right? And so from a survival standpoint, right, if you were getting caught up in all that data, you're going to get eaten. Right. So what the brain does, and it became very efficient at this over time, was it focuses on particular uh, data. Right. So it's going to focus on what looks good to eat and also what wants to eat me. Right. And so it's focusing on these things Uh, and uh, it's become very efficient at that. Right. But the thing is, that means that 99%, 99 99.9999% of the data that's actually out there, it actually doesn't process. It doesn't look at, it doesn't bring your awareness to it. Yeah. And so a lot of that stuff is, is just useless information, right? So you, you imagine walking through a city and getting off the subway and like all the people, all their faces, all the, uh, the, the, you know, the fashion choices that they made that day, all the cracks in the sidewalk, you know, we can, we can disregard this because it's not essential, but at the same time, uh, it's apparent to us that we are also factoring out spirit world. We're factoring out unseen forces that 
would ordinarily, uh, that wouldn't play a big survival role in our life unless you purposely reach out to them and start to interact with them. And so when you enter into that trance state, you are turning off the filtering mechanism of the brain and you are accessing a more pure awareness of what is around you. Right, so uh, so that's what shamanism is. Uh, it, it's really entering into a trance in order to interact with the spirit world. Yeah, and there's you know many ways to do it, but uh, you know it's it, shamanism is one of those, one of those terms where we use it because people know what it means, right? It has some cachet. It, it's, anthropologists have been using it for hundred years, hundreds of years. Uh, but ultimately what we're talking about is, you know, trans entering spirit talkers. That's, that's what we're talking about here. And that's what we teach in our yeah. shamanic apprenticeship program. Um, and so I guess before I hand over to you, one thing I'd, I'd mention is um, that, you know, working about with the spiritual ecosystem around us, right? It really is a spiritual ecosystem. And we find through our experience that you are surrounded by spirits constantly, right? And, you know, some of these, of course, can be uh, disembodied humans, right? So ghosts, that type of thing. But at the same time, there's so many beings, so much consciousness around you that is completely alien, completely foreign, um, or, uh, you know, that is very, very different from us, but it exists in this, this web, this eco ecosystem that surrounds us, right? You know, you, you're in your room alone right now, but you're not really alone. You're surrounded by tons of consciousness, uh, not, not ghosts, human ghosts per se, but you know, yeah, exactly. Look at around now, right? Um, and, uh, and just like any ecosystem, right? You walk into the forest and you expect to find be surrounded by life right you have yeah. the microbes in the soil you have the the fungi the, uh, the mushrooms you have the uh, the um, squirrels you have the deer you have the trees you have the plants and but the thing is one one thing that we like to highlight right is that you know you go through life um, you have to realize that it's a, it's a very full ecosystem. And so there are, you know, predators and parasites out there as well. And so, um, you know, things like in the forest, you'd have mosquitoes, you'd have leeches, right? These things that aren't necessarily evil in any way, but they are uh, a little annoying to us humans. They can draw down our energy and this kind of thing. And so to us, it's very important to educate people on the fact that they live in this ecosystem. They can connect. And so they can equally connect with these positive beings and enrich their life by bringing these energies and these consciousnesses into their lives for guidance, for help, for all these things. And then they can also learn to protect themselves from anything negative, right? One thing that uh, Laova here is incredibly, incredibly sensitive to spiritual energies. Yeah. And of course, when we started dating, you know, one thing that we found is that if we went to an antique store, right, we'd have a fight the next day. Yeah. And it was one of these things where it's like, okay, we finally learned. It's like, we didn't cleanse after we left that place, you yeah. know, after we left the antique store, we didn't cleanse what we got. We didn't. And, you know, you have so much, um, first off, psychic residue that gets on anything that comes from a person. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and then also you think, okay, you know, any antique store, any thrift store, a lot of the time, the original owner of that is deceased. Right. So you have that kind of energy that attaches. You might even have bits of consciousness on it. And, uh, and at the same time, any kind of parasitic beings that was on that other person might come with it. Right. Yeah. So uh, this is like, this is an example of the type of thing that you start to notice when you realize, okay, you know, there is a unseen ecosystem around us 
And it offers a lot of possibilities, but also it offers a lot of things that are good to to take care of and to um, uh, to keep in mind as we uh, as we go through life to protect ourselves and also to empower ourselves. So that's Absolutely. my that's my pitch for shamanism and the spirit yeah. world. Thank you for that. I have so many questions. Just so many things I'm thinking about. First of all, I just love some of the terms you're using that I've never heard. I've never heard the term spiritual ecosystem. You know, I talk a lot on the show about the interconnectedness of, of everything. And I talk a lot about nature and how nature is such a good analogy for, for so many things in life because it, everything is underneath the surface completely connected. There's nothing in, in nature in a forest that doesn't affect another part of the system. It's all, its root system is just alive and connected. And now I'm having this visual of that everything around us and what we think is just clear air is, is, you know, the spirit realm, consciousness realm, and there's the whole ecosystem there. So what a concept. And of course, what comes to mind is what you said is that when you learn to sort of connect with it consciously, it can really, I imagine, be a pretty transformative experience. Yet, you know, most of us move through this world so recklessly and so, you know, focused just on what we're looking at, what we're doing that, I mean, most people have no idea idea that there's anything else there. So I just, that just makes me, you know, think about all the things that we're really, you know, sort of gliding over that we're not even taking advantage of or, or acknowledging in our field. Absolutely. Like even the spiritual hygiene, you know, example, right? Yes. A lot of people, yeah. they go through life in the, basically in the condition of never having taken a bath, right? And so you can imagine if you never took yeah. a bath in life, <laughs> you're going to be covered in dirt. And let's say then you go to an antique store and you pick up a bit more dirt. Uh, you're not even going to notice because you're just being weighed down by all this dirt from an entire lifetime. And But if you start getting into regular spiritual cleansing, you know, and taking care of your spiritual hygiene, just like you'd shower, um, then you can, you can really empower your life, feel a lot better. Of course, one of the things that ironically happens is that suddenly when you don't have all that dirt on you anymore, when you go to an antique store or something, you, you pick something up, you might feel it. You know, because suddenly you notice the little piece of dirt that gets on your head, right? Yes, you start to notice what belongs to you and what does not belong to you. Mm -hmm. And so in that way, you know, sometimes you feel like sad or down for no reason. And you're like, what's that? What's that? But then you can cleanse and, and you feel, you know, then you feel better. And it was just something that does not belong to you. And, and so you're just sending away, you, you trust that the universe will send this energy somewhere it belongs. <laughs> so, yeah. Another part of that too is realizing soul loss and, yeah. and your own oh, trauma, yeah. right? Yeah. And, so what, one main, main thing um, about shamanism is the concept of soul loss and power loss. Uh, and this is how they will heal. So if you add a, a trauma in your life, uh, you know, something big enough that you will, you can say that you're not the same person after that, you know, like there's kind of a shift. Then um, in shamanism, they call that soul loss. And it's a part of you that just is going to hide away uh, in the spirit world. And then you 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 have kind of a hole in you. And usually this is how people will describe it. They feel like there's something missing. They feel they, they're empty or there's a void inside of them. Um, and, uh, usually what's, what happened when they, you know, what caused the soul loss is, 
uh, close to any kind of abuse, any kind of uh, also big accident, like car accident, that it's enough to a big shock or anything that causes a, a coma uh, will do that. Yeah. And, and a big part of the shamanic understanding there is that, you know, soul equals consciousness, right? Yes. And so there was a part of your consciousness, something was so horrific, so terrible, that a part of your consciousness literally takes the felt experience of that trauma and then basically breaks off from you, heads off into the spirit world, heads off into these consciousness realms, so that your um, your essence, your, 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 your main self, right. Doesn't have to feel the, the, the trauma of that, the felt experience of the trauma might have a memory, but it's not accessing that felt experience, which is too hard to process. But then it causes people to go into kind of self-sabotage behavior, uh, into, uh, you know, um, addiction and, uh, anger and so on, kind of coping things going on uh because it's there's the void there so it's kind of a signal to say hey you need to uh kind of heal this from this event and then what we do as shamanic practitioners that we call the soul back home and then uh retrieving that part then we we say okay you retrieve it now we have to integrate it so it doesn't go away again and so we find ways to, to make life easier to heal from what happened uh that uh, at that moment and yeah. and one part of how we approach this is very much um you know we have a philosophy of you know give a person a fish and you feed them for a day teach a person to fish and you feed them for life so uh you know many shamanic practitioners they provide that kind of soul retrieval um our our approach is is basically you know we'll teach you how to do it for yourself yeah. right and and the, one of the main things there is that if you don't do a lot of integration for a shamanic integration process working with the soul that comes back and all this it's you know here today and gone tomorrow it can leave again so it's very much requires lifestyle changes it requires you know working with a shamanic approach and one reason again back to the spiritual hygiene part one reason why soul loss is so important from that perspective is that if you um lose a piece of your soul you can think of it as uh, you know a piece of paper that you've torn off a, a corner of right now there's a hole there's an, there's a there's a and another way to look at it is you know you have a house and now you have a broken window and and so you know most spiritual beings when they're passing by they you know they respect the broken window they won't climb in right but there's negative beings who see the open window and they see it as an, as an opportunity to go you know, gather energy and, and and be parasitic on you and they'll climb in right and this can have deep effects on your personality on your felt experience of life of your um uh, just just how you feel from yeah. day to day yeah. and and so you know, a big part of that, therefore, is to learn not just how to, you know, a stopgap solution is, okay, you do lots of spiritual cleansing and you, you know, you wash out that room and get out the empty window, right? Uh, and then you kind of energetically seal, right? Yeah. Uh, and this is, but ultimately, this is kind of like, you know, when you have a broken window and you put up the plastic on it, right? You tape it up. Uh, the 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 the, the uh, long term solution and that works, but you'll have to keep clearing that area out and then putting up that plastic because it keeps getting broken into. Uh, it's a temporary solution. The the long term solution is addressing that soul loss, and um, and basically, you know 
providing that that new window <laughs> to keep things out. Uh, I'm sure that this is a topic that's actually very near and dear to you, Whitney, because of uh, I read your bio, <laughs> and so uh, I'm sure that uh, I'm sure that you have thoughts on this for sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, one, it, it's I mean, it's come up a lot. I think the last two or three episodes I've talked about soul retrieval is something that a lot of people will engage with it with clients with, you know, when they're healers is, is just, you said reclaiming. And it's also interesting because I mean, yes, in my life in general, I, so I, I imagine maybe referring to like addiction, substance abuse, eating disorders. I imagine that a lot of those are tied to sort of those missing things that sort of caused parts of ourselves to be, I mean, I, I see it as almost like condemning parts of ourselves, like the parts of ourselves we couldn't accept or something that happened to us that was so upsetting that it, we just sort of, it got, like you said, kind of got cut out and sort of sent away because it was too much. But then we're left with knowing that we basically banished part of who we are and you can't ever really do, you know, a soul is always, is always complete. So even when it's not there, it's just sort of, I feel like just missing or without that part, you know, it's still always longing to return. And if you've said, you know, no, I don't want to, face that part of myself, then there is going to be this incomplete sense. And um, it's something I thought about a lot recently because I'm actually on a trip right now. I'm doing a cross-country road trip. I'm in Florida. You can see the beach behind me. And I thought I was going to go on this like really relaxing like journey and just evaluate and reflect. And it's turned out to be a reclaiming of my lost parts. I, along the way, I just kept getting these messages that, you know, my wounds were coming up like things. It was like, you know, when you try to like push something down and then eventually it like, you know, kind of comes to the surface and is, is saying this needs to be known and heard and addressed. And mm-hmm. it reminds me of everything you're saying. Cause I feel like these were all things that I just wasn't, first of all, I didn't know it still needed attention. And second of all, I feel like it was part of sort of my ecosystem that was like, you may think that you're ready to move forward, but you're not working. Like things are not working, right? There's things missing. There's things that you have, you know, denied about yourself that you've tried to again, condemn. And they you're in order to move forward, you have to incorporate all of that. So it's amazing. What you're saying right now literally feels like you're, you've stepped into my life and saw like what I was doing yesterday or something. <laughs> right. Align, which, you know, synchronicity, it's no coincidence. Um, but I just love that you're speaking to this because I think that it's, and also as a therapist, you know, I mean, this is what we're doing when people come to us and they say, I don't know what's going on, but I am so depressed and I'm so anxious. And, and cause people have no clue, you know, they really don't. And so it's so wonderful that there's people like you who are taking this approach because the wild thing is, is that this is what's actually the re- reality of the situation is that there's so many unseen factors that we're not engaging with. So therefore we try all these different things that, like you said, are sort of just like, you know, plastic over the window. So the, uh, this is giving me a lot of thoughts. <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. Well, that's, that's what we're here for. <laughs> yes. There's the soul loss and it, there's also the power loss and the power loss is like, uh, you will have the same symptoms than the soul loss. So, you know, very like uh, no motivation, sad, uh, depressed and so on. But the diff- it, the source is not the same. So uh, it's more when you, you're not addressing your boundaries. And so you lose power because you give powers to uh, others uh, instead of keeping the powers for you. Uh, and also like if it's same with uh, addiction, you can 
if you give the power for, let's say, uh, coffee, okay, let's say you're addicted to coffee and it's just giving you stress and a uh, heart problem and so on. I'm good with the light one, but you know, it can be anything. Well, then you're giving power to this, this spirit. Coffee is a spirit. After all, it is a plant. And um, maybe you have to see that you, you cannot work with this spirit. And when you see it and when you shift your 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 um, perspective and say oh you know what maybe coffee spirit is just too much for me maybe you know i i have to <laughs> is that coffee <laughs> yeah. that's tea actually <laughs> like, I, tea. I jive well with the coffee spirits we're we're, yeah. we're bud <laughs> Your bodies, and, and so you can do that. Same with uh, food addiction. It's funny we, we talk about that. I have, I, I was someone with food addiction. I could have taken, you know, like I had a very depressed moment in my life where I, I took like forty pounds in in like two or three months. I was gorging uh, my emotions at that time, mm-hmm. and um, I didn't even know at the time that it was an addiction or a problem to eat the I, I thought it was just something that people do you know you see that on tv it's not as um you know like alcoholism or drugs like kind of socially accepted to some degree it's uh, taboo, yeah. yeah so uh, i didn't know it was uh, i thought i was just sad i was eating i know it was bad but at the same time i didn't know it was a real um, you know addiction aren't you supposed to eat ice cream after a breakup like they see it on tv <laughs> all the time but... yeah uh, and and so uh, what helped me with, with shamanism is that the way I was, I see the food now, you know, I see the food as just spirits, you know, as plants that die so I can live. And now I have to honor that energy uh, and for me to eat over what I need is, you know, it's kind of not respecting them because then I'm, I'm kind of eating too much instead of just saying, you know, they sacrifice their life. You know, it, it can be animals, it can be plants, it can be, uh, well, all these type of animals and plants. And and uh, you think about it, you, you have in front of you your plate and you're like, wow, well, you know, that fish, it gives its life for me. So I better, you know, find a um, something good to do with that energy today. This is uh, when I sit in front of my meal, this is what I do now. And I thank the, the fish or I thank the plant and I say, thank you for your energy and thank you for your life. And um, and then, yes, I eat. I honor what I have in my plate. It's a big change when you kind of give up, let's say, eating for, for pleasure. And when you realize, okay, I'm eating life here, right? Whether mm-hmm. it's broccoli or whether it's fish or anything, right? Yeah. And that's like, well, Okay, I need to eat life in order to live. This is part of the game that we play while we are living, uh, you know, whether you like it or not, right? And, uh, you know, even vegetables, you're eating life. And uh, and therefore, the question is, you know, um, how much do you need? And, and, you know, not to not to overindulge it. Yeah. This kind of shifts when you start thinking about the consciousness and then coming back to, you know, your web of nature, right? And your web of consciousness out there. When you start treating, kind of looking at from an animal perspective that there is this yes. consciousness in everything and therefore how do we interact with it like it's our brother like it's our sister uh, you know how do we yeah. interact with this world around us in an ethical way i was uh, in one of my uh, my vision with my my guide uh in the spirits here and uh so i point here we have a window sorry but uh, <laughs> in uh honor of our property uh you know they say 
they say you are like walking dirt and that really really make a difference in my mind that we are we are earth we're just walking along we're living right now but we're, we will return to it we're a part of it and, I, and when i see that i'm like just a little piece of earth walking around here and there uh, i'm no different from the forest i'm no different from everything uh, that i eat i'm part of the ecosystem i'm just you know a certain shape and maybe we feel not as grounded because we're not like the trees right we don't have our, our roots grounded in the in the earth but we are a little i really see it you know we're little pieces of earth walking around with our water inside of us and so on and distributing like all the organism we're we're dirt that's come from the earth and we you know we even provide services to the vegetables and such we carry their seeds we help them propagate and spread but we're we're deeply ingrained in that in that uh, in that web of life to the point where ultimately when we pass on right whether we are buried or cremated our energy is going back to this earth if we're cremated you know we our heat energy and then other parts of us get distributed back into the system and if we're buried right we go back to the earth eventually you know if you die at the base of a tree eventually that tree is going to eat you because <laughs> literally you're you know what the, the dirt that you are will go to it so you know we are very much in that system yeah that, that's so fascinating to to think about and i just love that i mean i just had a visual when he said you know we're just walking dirt it's sort of like you know, there's dirt and then it comes almost like in a cartoon, like it just becomes like a person that's one and then it goes right back down, you know, like almost like just like a wave of yeah. like, sometimes you're a part of the whole and then other times you're like a, a cresting wave and then you go back into it. And there's really no difference between us and that, the whole, the whole dirt floor. <laughs> totally. <laughs> um, I, I do have a question, you know, when, when you speak about, you know, overeating and I've been there, I've struggled for most of my life with an eating disorder, binge eating. And, you know, there, there's a, you probably know that experience when there's, there's just not enough, you know, and th I, that's the case for any addict. Like it doesn't, and it, you recognize at a certain point, you don't want to, you know, like when you're in the middle of binge, you don't want to think about the fact that it really doesn't make sense to be eating this food. It's not keeping you full. It's you're over full. It's not, it's just something that you're and I've always thought that it's like you're seeking something and I've always, you're seeking life force, you're seeking love, you're seeking, you know, God, if you will, but you're not taking, it's like a, a bucket with holes in it. It's like nothing is being sustained. And so I wonder from a shamanic perspective, how do you see, like when you're in that state with food, what's going on for that person when they're, they're not, cause you know, you guys said like, when you appreciate your food, you probably just need that one plate of food and you're recognizing that you're, you're honoring, you're blessing this food, you're in taking it, you're you know, kind of becoming one with the food. But if, you don't, if you're not in that mind space, I guess, you know, you aren't ever going to be satiated. So I'm just wondering your, your all thoughts and how you were able to kind of overcome that because it's something that so many people struggle with because food is delicious and the experience is pleasurable. And it also helps you to avoid, right? When we're having these powerful emotions, you know, I've had times where it literally felt like I was magnetized to food. Like when I had these emotions, I didn't want, I just couldn't do anything, but just I was just like, just give me food, please just give me something. And it almost feels like you're under a spell. You know, if anyone's been in a really yeah. binge, it's like, you're just in this mind, like this, almost a trance. You, you talk about trance in it, but it must be a different kind of trance, not the connecting unified consciousness trance. So any thoughts on that? I would love to hear. Oh yeah. Um, so there's many things going on with, you know, when, 
first, the thing to address is your relationship to food, the vision that you have. And yes, it's true that when you're just seeing at something delicious that you can take and will give you comfort, then there's almost, for me, it was unstoppable. Even though I, I knew in my head, you know, it's like I should stop, you know, I would continue to eat and go down the bag of chips and then probably have cookies and other stuff, like, you know, just all night long and and so and yes there's you feel like you have no power and so that's that part with the powerless is like you give your power to the food so you have to take it back now how do you take back is you know you there's many ways to do that uh in shamanism you you can find a guide to help you this is what i do so i connect with a specific spirit guide for me that helped me uh with food and then it's slowly just trying trying to understand the situation and be like, so why do I eat? So <laughs> I did a list, you know, with all the reason why I eat. And it there's like over like 140. I know I could put like categories on it, but it was like pretty much for anything, all range of situation, because I'm happy, because I'm sad, because I'm stressed, because I'm tired, because, because anything, right? There's just all reason are good to eat. I can attest to the existence of this <laughs> list. It was a comprehensive and impressive list. Unfortunately, it was burnt uh, ceremoniously as part of a yeah. <laughs> letting go ritual, but it was quite the list. Yeah. So, so Here that's the thing. <laughs> that's the thing. You have like all these reasons. There will always be a good reason to eat. And so it's really to, to go back to the spirit world. Okay. We'll work with my spirit guide. The guide will give you kind of, um, uh, well, personal advice and how to work through things. Like, are you, is there, is there a soul part missing? Is there something missing there? So there's this. Now, another uh, thing that we address um, in shamanism is what we call ancestral healing. And so this is when there is um, certain pattern that are going through your ancestral line and go down to you. And so that are kind of sharing your bloodline. And now you are kind of having this uh, curse or this kind of type of pattern and soul loss. And so what we do with that is that uh, we is that here in your family or is it, are you the first one with that? Well, in my case, it's going up like a bit. So uh, I know that it's not coming only from me. It's something that I've learned to do uh, because my family is doing it too. So uh, that's another thing that I can address as well. Yes. Yeah, the ancestral part is interesting because it's not just learned behaviors coming through you know it's not just that kind of physical world part of yeah. the learned behaviors coming from other people but there's also that spiritual component where if you have a an ancestor who has still is still experiencing let's say soul loss is still experiencing some of these problems and let's say in that ancestor it led to a substance abuse problem there is an aspect where that ancestor can be playing out its own desires yeah. through you by influencing you. So that that's something also to bear in mind. That's not always just the physical. It can sometimes be this ancestral uh, trauma still playing out through a being who's trying to resolve their own issues through you because you're the one in the physical world having experience and they can they might hijack that to a degree, right? So wow. okay. well, with that, I have to ask that when you're working with a client, let's say somebody comes to you and they are overeating or they are really depressed, how do you sort of, I mean, when, you know, 
as much as things are interconnected in, in this spiritual ecosystem, it's so much, it's a little bit nebulous. I mean, you, there's a lot going on there. So how are you able to, you know, work with one and able to identify what is it? Is it an ancestral influence? Is it a energetic cleansing that's needed from the current environment? Is it, you know, the, this person's own, you know, soul loss? How do you know? How do you identify that for people? So, and this is why we very much have this, um, this, a philosophy of teach a person teach a person to fish right don't fish for them don't give them the fish um and so it, it's one of these situations where it's going to take a lot of work right yeah. and it takes a lot of work and it's not you know anyone who tells you okay just come into our virtual office here and sit down and i'll have you fixed up in half an hour yeah, right? no. <laughs> it's it's not it's not how it works right and and as you can see all the components that can be at play within a person's life ancestral trauma it can be learned behaviors it can be soul loss it can be attachments it can, there's even the possibility the land that you live on is affecting you in a certain way right there's there's so many different possibilities within this spiritual ecosystem that you live in and therefore it really is about teaching you to have the tools to to do it on your own with our you know, with guidance, of course, from someone who's been there before. But at the same time, you got um, we find that it's so much more effective when the the student goes in and like is having you know daily or weekly exchanges with their with their guardian spirit with their guides to learn and to to even be given ceremonies to be given these steps for how they can heal in their own unique way right i guess yeah. one thing that we kind of didn't discuss i don't know if we did but the idea of a shamanic journey right where it's that entering that trance it's kind of huge sorry we kind of left that out uh, a trance uh, a, a shamanic journey is when you enter into that trance state, right? And you uh, basically can project your consciousness out to the spirit world. And it's an odd thing because the spirit world itself, right? It's this, uh, we find it's this realm of pure consciousness where, you know, the physical world, it's a, it's a realm of time and space and consciousness is embodied within matter, right? Either within this body or within a rock, right? And, uh, but the spirit world is this, you know, realm of pure consciousness and without time and space. It's very incomprehensible to us. It's very foreign. It's very different, right? Uh, in, in, in many ways, it's unintelligible to our primate minds. So when we send our consciousness to make contact with it, very much the spirit world takes pity on us and it looks into our minds it looks into what our spiritual vocabulary is and it speaks our language and so it will communicate through symbols that make sense to us and it will give you kind of this lucid dream-like experience of interact of your interaction with the spirit world it is not a literal experience it's not going anywhere physical but what matters is that there's that symbolic interaction it's a communication it's a conversation and and the meaning being expressed through that that symbolic experience is deeply meaningful and you can get very direct kind of guidance and help in this way right uh, your spiritual guides could be like okay here's you know here's what you got to do to help clear up this issue you know and it's usually very deep like working on your soul working on on all this so uh yeah uh, one of the things that we we teach our, our students is you know to to work on these issues is just uh do a lot of shamanic journeying and literally you will learn the steps from the spirits yourself uh you don't need us you know we can help guide you from our experience 
uh, we can, you know, help you because we've been on that path before. We can, you know, lead you along the way. But at the same time, you got to do the hard work of going. Yeah, that that's that's always what like what we do. It's like here's what I've learned. Here's like how the spirit helped me and guide me through that. Uh, and I provide kind of a uh, guided journey that is aligned, you know, with that. But then I say, hey, you know give place to your your experience here that that's one way to do it we i always say that because uh i find the spirits they will maybe they will get to me in a way that will work for me but maybe you need something completely different so um it's just always being open to any experience for sure and when you start opening yourself up to the spirits in that way it is just wondrous and you know it's one of these things where uh, we find um, like the first thing that you do when you start working with us is meet with your guardian spirit. And this is, you know, this is very analogous to the idea of, let's say, a guardian angel within a certain, you know, Judeo-Christianity. Um, and then, you know, it's very similar to the idea of a power animal or spirit animal within very shamanic traditions. But guardian spirit is useful because it's very, you know, nebulous because many different spirits can be, can take on this guardian spirit uh, um, role for you. And this is a being that's been with you your entire life. It's, uh, it's there kind of to keep you on the path, right? It's been guiding you. It's been helping you out and all this. And it's going to be with you until the end, right? But then you also have spiritual guides. And yeah. these are beings who they come into and out of your life to help empower you, to help you through various things. And they get something out of it too, because they help spread their pattern, you know, help spread their wisdom into this material world, manifest it through you. And so these are the types of beings you can work with. But ultimately, it's interesting because these are very positive, benevolent beings. And therefore, they really care about your free will. Yeah. And they won't get involved unless you ask them to. That's the thing. They might be there standing by, but they're not going to get involved. They might be looking at you and saying, well, Whitney's having a really hard time, uh, but you know, she's having her experience of this existence. And who are we to say, well, she should be playing this game differently or she should be having her own experience. You know, she, maybe she has this deep level soul contract or something playing out. We're not going to interfere. But the moment that you say, okay, you know, my guardian spirit and guides, I need help. Come on in, guide me. You know, I'm I'm giving you all my love and light. Just come help me, help me, help me. I, I want you in my life. That starts changing things drastically. And, you know, it starts uh, creating things like dreams and synchronicities, all these kind of guidance. Also can create kind of very paranormal confirmation events where it's like a synchronicity, but on steroids, because there's that paranormal experience going on with it, right? Uh, there's, there's a lot of stuff that can start happening like that so it's a very wonderful thing when you start reaching out to your guides in that way and that's that's a huge part of what we the training we offer and again so many questions based on everything um one is um now you say everybody has a, a guardian angel or a guard guardian spirit so let's say that you know i, I would say the average person walks through life not thinking about that and not even being aware of connecting or engaging with that. Does that mean that these people are just kind of in the wings or people essences, you know, spirits are just in the wings, just kind of, you know, twiddling their thumbs and, and hoping this person will eventually acknowledge them or will they still interact? Cause I, I know, you know, some people who are in no way really connected spiritually, but they'll still have things where they, they'll say, wow, is the weirdest thing. This person just popped in my head or this thing just came into my life. And so, 
even if we're, if we don't engage with them, are they still, do they still stay in our peripheral and will, you know, offer things at times? But is, is it kind of like really anything else in life where people can offer you something, but not until you engage and actually see it for yourself and start, you know, working with it, that things really take off. So let's say you start engaging regularly with your guardian, you start talking to them. Will they, will they see that as like a door opening that, and they'll start being more involved and incorporated in your life or how does that work? Yes. Yeah, so, so I would say that let's say you, the door is, is closed. You're, you're not aware of your guardian spirit. Well, then you can, you will receive sign, but you will just, you know, not take the opportunities or not, you will be blind to them. It's almost like invitations. Um, yes. And, and, uh, and then when it happened in your life, then, and you start receiving sign and be like, okay, this is like, I just have, I cannot explain what happened here. And then you start, you know, questioning and, and then eventually if you, you, you know, I don't know how your path will lead you to it, but you will find your way to connect with uh, your guardian spirit. Then, then yes, because you'll just open your eyes even more and even more. And you will, um, what I like to say, it's like kind of a vocabulary with them, you know, some symbols will remind you of this particular spirit. Let's say your guardian spirit is um, an owl. Then, then you'll be like, "Oh, I saw an owl. Okay, I have I, I what I was thinking, or oh yeah, it's true. Something special happened that night, or it's my answer to a question I had. Uh, you know, sometimes too, it's like an oh okay, do it. Yes, it's a good. You're on the path type of symbol. And and when you're in that state of not working with your guardian spirit, um, absolutely, it sometimes sends you events that almost serve to help wake you up, right? And that we are, yeah, we we are this consciousness that's embodied in this in this physical body, and we can really get lost in the physical world, and so we forget about our higher self, we forget about our our goals and our purpose. You know, our, you know we have what we find is that we very much have a goal in life, right? Our meaning, our purpose for being here. And a big part of life is discovering that goal and acting upon it. Guardian spirit is there to kind of remind you to wake you up to that and all that, right? So so sometimes you might have this weird synchronicity that just aligned your life perfectly so you can start working towards something. You know, it can absolutely be there in the background to help you get to your goals, right? Mm -hmm. At the same time, guardian spirit often is, is what, you know, let's say you're at an intersection, right? And you're about to drive and they just have this gut feeling that you shouldn't. And you just wait for a second and then suddenly a tractor trailer just blows through the intersection through a red light. You know, that kind of intuition can sometimes very much be your guardian spirit just just helping you out in that ever well a huge amount actually but but taking those kind of uh, uh, uh of moments and and this is why you know you can look at a lot of events especially strange events in your life as as almost initiation uh, in terms of the ongoing pathway of your life you know initiation into becoming who you really are meant to be uh, you know sometimes even a paranormal event like a haunting is sent to you because you know, yes, okay, fine. You've moved into a house where uh, it's haunted by this nice little old lady. Uh, but at the same time, you were meant to move into that house at that time in your life to remind you, let's say, that 
unseen presences do exist, that there is a spiritual side to life because you were getting too lost in the physical. You know, these kind of initiations happen throughout our life. And uh, I don't know if this is a good way to segue, but this kind of paranormal experience and, and, and initiation event is ultimately what, uh, uh, in a deep way, led Lalva to uh, to adopt uh, shamanism. And, yeah. you know, I had a lot of weird synchronicities in my life, too, that kept me on the path of, of delving into all this weird esoteric stuff. And, uh, you know, these kind of little things throughout your life, they're just that those nudges in the right direction. Yeah. And I love that you call it uh, an initiation. I, I appreciate that because I, I believe it's really empower, powerful for people to hear that because, you know, part of my journey recently has been coming to accept and make peace with things that I was so upset that happened because it feels when you're disconnected, it feels like, why did this happen? Why did this? But just to your point, I've, I've come to realize more or less lately that it did initiate something, you know, some of the most challenging and difficult things that I was so upset about at the time were transformative. They ended up being a catalyst, an initiation into what I see now is, oh, I had a lot of soul growth after that. Something really changed, started growing, evolving. So I think that's important to hear because again, so people get so hung up on why did this have to happen? And then we get stuck in the past and regret, which is just, you know, a, a recipe for for disaster and for misery. Because if you curse and can't accept what's happened to you and only see it as negative, you're never gonna be able to look forward and, and bless everything that's ever happened to you because it's all been a part of your evolutionary path. I got a perfect example for you. Um, <laughs> early Earlier this year, I um, picked up Lyme disease. I, uh, I had a, um, a tick bite, obviously, and uh, it got pretty bad. You know, if they finally diagnosed it as Lyme disease after two weeks, and uh, it really took me out of commission for like an entire month until I was finally feeling better. And it was it was pretty rough, pretty terrible. Um, and and during that period, right, it, what was happening was like with the Spirit World Center, we were definitely expanding. I was putting in all this work, and like I just felt like I was on top of the world. And you know, um, but then this came in, and I had to like slow down so much for like an entire month. And part of me was really frustrated. And uh, Lauva, she does a lot of channeling. And so, you know, the question that naturally came up was, come on, spirits, aren't I doing the right thing? Like, why? Well, how could you let this happen to me? And uh, the, the, the message that, that came through very much was, Eric, you know, this is part of your path. You're going to learn something from this. And the thing that I had to learn was prior to this, I, you know, I'd have my list of like 50 things I had to do in the day and I would work through it and I would get a ton of it done, right? Like I'm, I'm working full blast here, but I'd still have like 20 things left on it, right? And I was beating myself up over it. You know, I got to work harder. I got to get all this done. I was really kind of putting myself in a negative state because I was, I was, you know, holding that over my head. And the big realization that came from having this Lyme disease and having to slow down was, Eric, everything is perfect as it is right? That you're at the stage where everything is fine. Okay. Grow the center, however you need to do, but everything is fine and perfect in this moment, you know? And the, the metaphor that came through was, you know, look at a tree. Well, it's going to one day be this great big tree. 
But right now it's just this little shrub, you know, it's like six feet tall. It's this little, little tree out in the yard. You know, no one except a complete psychopath goes up to that tree and says, ah, you're useless and no good. Look at you. You're only six feet tall and you're a terrible tree. You know, no, no one does that. Yeah. At least I hope no one. Grown like a six, uh, one on each more. And, and the thing is, therefore, the realization is that tree is perfect in this moment. That shrub <laughs> or that sapling is perfect in this very moment. And it's on this path of growth. One day that, 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 uh, that, uh, that tree is going to be, you know, 50 feet high. Right now it's only six feet, but that is okay because it's perfect now. It's going to be perfect then. So everything is fine. Relax. So basically, yeah, ultimately the universe gave me Lyme disease. So I learned to chill. So <laughs> wow. yeah, that, that's, and, that's what I'm saying. Sometimes it's a very, you know, it's like, okay, well, I, I know that everything else happened, but this can't be part of the plan. This is to why this. So thank you for sharing. Cause I, I know some friends who have gotten Lyme disease and I know things like that, where it's just, it really is a, a, just really upsetting and it's, yeah. it's hard to integrate and accept. So thank you for acknowledging that for people. So we can all remember that these are the, everything that happens to us becomes part of our heroic story rather than our victim story of, oh, because of this, I didn't, but it's, it's despite this, I did. And it's one of those things where because I was given that narrative from the spirits, that understanding, then it turned into a deeply transformational event. I can honestly say that it transformed the way I approach work and reality itself in such a, a big way that frankly, it's, I know it's weird to hear this, but I'm thankful I got Lyme disease because it, it honestly changed me in an incredibly deep way. And so this of course is something that comes from kind of the shamanic and spiritual understanding of things where you look at consciousness, you see how everything is consciousness playing it out, playing itself out. And you look at consciousness, right? What do, what, what do our consciousnesses like to do? They like to tell stories. They like to create narratives. And this, I think, is a deeply impactful part of looking at it in this way as consciousness, is that the things that happen in your life, right? It's not a meaningless universe. It's not this, mean, this universe where nothing has meaning, nothing has purpose, everything's just random events, right? If you start to look at like everything has meaning, um, it's, well, it's, it's deeply transformative once again, but it, it gives you hope. It gives you a, a faith, but it also allows you to find that meaning within things. And that can be very, very healing for sure. Uh, and just as you said, I had this visualization of that little shrub tree becoming, and that as it grows and changes and rather than saying like, what is this? Why is this happening? It's like, oh yes, now I'm growing. Now I'm to look at me, go look at me develop in these different ways that I didn't expect. But we don't tend to do that as humans. Often we're like, what? This isn't what I thought. This is what I, this isn't what it was supposed to be. And this is uncomfortable. This is weird. Rather than embracing it, you know, a message I've been getting repeatedly lately is, is one step at a time. Take things, your journey is unfolding. Allow it to happen one step at a time. Cause I tend to be kind of impatient and I'm like, let's go from zero to 60 right now and let's get there and get going. And it's sort of that acknowledgement of things are unfurling just as they should. You're exactly where you're meant to be. And that can be a hard concept to accept. So I do have to ask you guys, how did you all come into this work? Did you guys, were you born onto like a shamanic commune? Did you, you know, did you just, I mean, did you grow up with this type of family or how did you come to embrace this life? Well, 
I'm the the boring one that can be wrapped up a bit faster. So I guess I'll go first and I'll leave it to Laova. So uh, myself, you know, I, I came to all this, um, this woo and all this esoteric stuff when I was uh, 12 years old. I uh, went on a trip to England and on the last day we did this tour of all the megaliths, right? So we did Averbury Circle, we did Stonehenge and all this. And I was, I was just enraptured. And uh, I got back. And of course, you know, in the new age section of the bookstore, I'm like devouring anything on Druidry and I, that got me into Celtic shamanism. Um, and then, you know, that led to like things like Wicca, paganism, and then the esoteric, uh, anything occult, right? I got, I got deep into just everything I could. Um, and so along the way, I, I definitely got into uh, shamanism. And then in my late teens, of course, you know, I discovered girls and I went to university and I, you know, fell away from all that stuff. And then in my early 20s, I got back into it, right? And, and that just led to um, me walking away from my corporate job where I like, you know, I was suffering my own power loss in that situation, even though that was a fantastic career. Everyone was, you know, uh, you know, everyone was looking at me like this 24 guy, 24 year old guy who had figured it all out. And I'm like, yeah, but I, I'm hating this. So, you know, I, I walked away from that and that just put me on this path of, of spiritual exploration of looking at all these things I'd been aware of before and saying, okay, let me dive into this as deep as I can. What will I find? And uh, that, of course, led me to uh, well to delve deeply into things like nature, spirituality, and shamanism. And uh, then I met Lauva, and she was kind of the the missing piece because she uh, she's the one who has the you know. Well, my way in was very deeply intellectual and very. Uh, I always get this wrong. Left brain, right? Left brain. Left yeah. brain. Yeah. Well, my approach was very left brain. Uh, her approach, of course, is very right brain she's the creative she's the you know the and this is you know this is why let's say in the in the spirit world center we have different programs right one the shamanic journeying is more the right brain approach while as um you know spiritual symbiosis the spirit craft is more the left brain approach for those who want to have this kind of ceremony and almost work contractually with certain spiritual energies and connect with them in this form of like business meetings almost in ceremony um and so there's there's that that divide and uh and that's something that we started working on so so how did you two meet exactly i have to know i love meet stories how did how exactly when was the moment when was the time where was the place it was online dating it was online but plenty, that's, plenty of fish too so it's not yeah. even one of the good ones <laughs> but that's a funny story behind it i mean uh, like i mean i was looking for friends and i'm not good with all these online platforms and so uh i was seeing this a friend category and so i subscribed to the you know i create my account and uh in the same night i have like 60 message from men and a lot of them are doubtful and i don't think they look at my profile and what i really wanted i mean like it's i guess it's what happened all the time but i wanted to close my account I, and they say, sorry, you cannot close your account. You have to wait 24 hours before doing so. And I'm like, really? What is that? And so I was frustrated. And 
an hour later, Eric write to me, he was, you know, he's well-spoken, eloquent. And I say, uh, right now, I just want uh, something platonic. Uh, but he said, okay, you know, and then we just exchange uh, online for a while and we eventually met. And and it, it doesn't took, it didn't took very long after we met that we we just, you know, decided to to be together to start the 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 spirit world and uh it went very wow. fast we just felt a very big yeah. fusion it's like we were due to meet each other pretty and, much yeah yeah it went really <laughs> well very quickly and then a month in we had that uh that event the possession event which i i know that you're dying to hear about eventually yeah. but maybe we should uh go back on your yes. experience to there wow. though because i think you yeah. need the the background before we get to the Oh, uh, you're a good teaser. You're a good teaser. So um, I grew up in a Catholic family. Uh, I was praying like three prayers every night with my family. I went to Catholic school. Um, but we I grew up also in a haunted house. And um, my sister was seeing ghosts. It was a 130 years old house. Um, and I, I was hearing them or feeling them uh, when I had to go to the toilet that night. So it was very uncomfortable. Anyways, so our mother, you know, she said, just pray to God and everything will be fine. And we were praying to God and everything was fine after. But the thing is that it's as if like there's more to it, right? I mean, then we have this experience. We don't really question more than that. It finished to be just a um, kind of a spooky story around a fire uh, with your friends and then life goes on. So I, that, that was that to me for my, you know, early teenage years. Um, then I went, you know, to school and then I had um, a boyfriend that was, uh, you know, when I was 16 and last four years, uh, I very toxic relationship. I finally get out of it, but I felt truly, truly broken. And so I started to delve into spirituality and, you know, meditation. I was, you know, feeling a lot of anxiety in my life, uh, very lost as well, didn't know what to do and so on. Um, going and decided to go back to school at the age of 20 because I, I left out a long story. But uh, so it was a very liminal space for me where I just trying to um, feel better, uh, take back my powers, uh, heal myself and, you know, being in connecting with the divine. Um, so the more I was meditating, the more I started to have, uh, well, paranormal encounters. And so one of them uh was before i met with eric um it was with um i had another boyfriend at the time and we were um it was just after his the the grandfather funeral his grandfather funeral so the night we you know we we're sleeping in the bed and i just feel like something wants to connect with me and i'm like yes and so because i'm curious and i didn't expect that but uh my my mouth opened and the spirit went inside my mouth and I kind of feel like it's went in my brain and I was not comfortable anymore. But then that was worse. My head turned and look at my ex-boyfriend with big, 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 big eyes, like like big, big eyes, you know, like owl kind of 
eyes. And I was not speaking. I was looking at him and he was like, what's going on? What's going on? I could hear him, but I could not do anything about it. And then in my head, I heard, uh, Gab, it's, it's God. Take care of your family. And then whew, went away. And I like start crying. And he's like, what was that? What's going on? It's like, you will never believe me. You'll never believe me. And he said, just tell me. I mean, like, it's already weird. So I said, well, I think your grandfather went into my brain to, to talk to you. And he's like, what? But then uh, he, he believed me, you know, he believed me. And I said, the thing is that I, when I told him the sentence, he, I, he said, oh, he said, dad, because I didn't know that his nickname was dad. I mean, it, to me, it's odd that, it's, especially in French, that his nickname was dad um, when it was his granddad. So it kind of was a confirmation event for us. Be like, oh, okay, that was really him. You know, like, just, like there's no way I could have known that. So yeah, it actually said, hey, it's dad. Yeah. Which would, yeah. It was very strange. And and that was actually your ex's nickname for his grandfather. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you had the the other event around that time with the uh the mirror. Yeah. Mm, yes. Oh, you were talking about I had a lot of events. So there's uh, three here actually. <laughs> they really start things off. <laughs> okay. So that happened and then yes, and uh, not long after that, uh something else happened. And we um again with the same <laughs> poor guy. Uh we went to my family and um uh so my my family house uh, it was a new house, it was not the same haunted house, but this one was haunted too. Um and we didn't know at the time, but now I highly like it's just normal when I think about it. But it's a whole house and um we we made um we went in the attic to clean. So I cleaned the attic for my parents. There was a lot of stuff that was mine because they just moved and there was stuff that was still my stuff that I didn't sort through. And um so then like I mean we had a regular day, then we go to bed and I have to to kind of describe how the, the room was uh set. And it's that uh, you have like kind of the well, the room and the bed was, uh, it's a double bed that is on, um, against the wall. Okay. And uh, on the floor, there is a one single mattress uh, that we were too lazy to take out because my sister the day before she was uh, sleeping there with us. It's a small house. Um, and so we just let, let it there and it's important for uh, later in the story. So we went to bed in the double bed. I was the one uh, sleeping on the outside of the bed. Mm -hmm. And he, so he was sleep. My ex-boyfriend was sleeping against the wall. Um, and so I had a dream that night where I was mixing with my hand uh, a salad in a bowl of glass and uh, as I mix the salad, I see a shadow appearing and rushing towards me. And the ball just explodes in 1,000 pieces. And then I wake up and I start screaming like I'm about to die. And so my ex, he, he just wanted to touch my arm like this, say, hey, you all right? I've been like, like taking away um on the ground and i was not even you felt something pull on your arm right thank you yeah yeah um and and so i was on the ground i was not even touching the the mattress 
I was very far. And not only that, I was towards the, towards the, um, some visual, some kind of doing it, but um, there was the, the uh, closet and it was kind of open and it's behind that closet. It is the attic. And it just, I was like aligned with that. I was the scariest thing uh, in my life. Yeah. yeah. You felt yourself completely pulled off the bed. Yeah. And like hurts. you, yeah. you went over top of the mattress that was below you, but that and, was beside the bed. Right? And so you, you were pulled like four feet, five feet horizontally. That's the thing. And what is weird about that is that my father, he was like sleeping in the room under us. And it's this, you know, it's an old house. Like you hear everything, you hear nothing. In fact, the morning after he said, you probably just had too much hot chocolate. He was just like oblivious. He didn't want to hear about it. But my mother did hear us. And that's, you know, like she heard us. She she went and she came and she said, are you all right? What happened? Because I mean, like not only I screamed like there was no tomorrow, but I mean, I fell on the floor and it's like, you know, like it's... So no, it's such a weird uh, story. So then, uh, uh, but that was not enough for me to question in the spiritual. I just prayed to God as usual, and and then another thing happened. And it's I had a a um a I went to an art. Uh, I studied fine art at university, but uh, like in a weekend, I had an art retreat. If you want, with a, an online uh, teacher. And we just went from a meditative, uh, a long meditation, like one hour and a half and kind of painting at the same time. And I was in a trance. I didn't know at the time when I was in a trance. Um, um, and so I get out of my room. It's at the second uh, story of my uh, house at the time. Uh, and I go down the stairs and in front of the stairs, there is a mirror. And then I, I have to turn to go uh, in the bathroom, but it's as if I feel grabbed and I stayed in front of the mirror. And then what happened is that as I looked in the mirror, it's as if I was the one in the mirror and someone was me. And so that someone was speaking to me through the mirror as I was in the mirror. I don't know if I make sense here. Yeah. yeah? Okay. So that's so that's the, um, the weird part. So I look at the, the th- being, look at me in the mirror and start talking to me um, in like, I think Spanish or something like that, something completely like that I don't know or that I can't remember, but it's just this part and was saying, you have to, you know, you have to connect with us in the spirit world and so on. And I'm like, okay, um, you know, it told me things that I have to do. And uh, then I was scared. You know, then I was like, I need help. Am I going crazy here? Uh, what's going on with all that happened to me? So, um, and then I don't know who to talk to with that. And so I asked my friends, um, two different friends and the same day, I said, hey, uh, do you know medium? Do you know like a medium? I didn't even know about shamanism at the time. And uh, she, uh, but they don't, they say, no, but I know a shaman. They both say that, right? A shaman. Okay. I'll go with that. You know, like, give me a name. I'm going to go see a shaman. And so I, I connect with a beautiful uh, uh, native shaman um, uh, situated in, in uh, Ottawa. She, uh, she was very powerful, you know, like she, she asked me if I have like um, um, uh, Amerindian root. 
And as yes, my grand grand uh, grandmother was uh, Amerindian, and uh, she said, "Okay, uh, uh, then she'd accept to help me." So she uh, pretty much introduced me, you know, to shamanism during that summer. And uh, but the first thing, you know, after like fifteen minutes, the first time I saw her. After 15 minutes, we sat and she was kind of just, you know, going down, layered head down. And she's like, I'm going to start. I'm going to speak to my guides for you. And she said, you will have a, a difficult fall. Uh, I see you working with children uh, and you're overdue to work with the spirits. <laughs> and I'm like, OK. <laughs> and, and and everything happened. I mean, during the fall, um, I was living in a duplex. Half of it went on fire. We have to move like four times. I was doing art exhibition. I had to move my sculpture to find another garage to finish my sculpture. And I also started to um, uh, work with children. I had like kind of a contract with a private school and um, the, the um, how do you call it, like the art center. And, and I was completely out of the blue. You never Yeah, no, no. It's, I had one contact. It was just one girl that say, hey, do you, do you, you're working there. Do you, do you, do they are looking for someone? And then from that girl, I had like five contracts in a month and I was everywhere. Um, yeah. And then it's just unfold, you know, and I'm like, okay, this is real. Like she, she, you can connect with your guides. They can help you, uh, with the future and, and kind of align yourself, prepare, prepare yourself and help others too. And ultimately what yeah. you picked up on there was a, a tower moment, right? Like the tower card, right? So yeah. it's like, okay, it's going to be a difficult autumn and yeah. you're going to be working with kids, but you have to work with the spirits. Like, okay, tower, you know, your old life falling away, your new life oh, yeah. starting. Well, yeah. it was literally a tower moment because in the tower card, the tower's on fire. <laughs> yeah, that's the hell, yeah. I mean, so that's all that's, you know, together, just, I add to, I could not explain all of this in any other ways. And I'm like, okay, I, I will do it. And so I was working with this lady and then I also met other uh, people that had an interest in shamanism that I didn't even know at the time. And they guide me to, you know, learn from certain school as well. And so I, I explored and start deep practicing deep shamanism a lot because it was bringing me so much um, meaning, healing. Um, and yeah, so that was just wonderful. Do you ever have any paranormal events now? And do you, and, but it sounds like you all work with people who do. So you, you go to houses that are having, you know, spirits presence and that people are feeling disturbed and you, so what are your, how do you guys conceptualize that? The paranormal, the, the spirits that come in and like, for example, like being pulled out of your bed, what, what was that about? <laughs> like, what were they trying to accomplish there? Why would a spirit do that? What is that? That straight out of the movie, The Conjuring. Well, once again, it's it's the kind of the spiritual ecosystem model, right? And so there's there's actually many many things that can be going on in the house. Um, So, for instance, you know, we we tend to assume, oh, it's always going to be you know a human spirit, right? And this is kind of the narcissism of humanity, right? It's always going to be a human, right? And when in fact there's there can be a whole lot. A whole yeah. lot going on. Uh, for instance, one thing that we find is that often for an area of land, like let's say a forest, there is a spiritual essence, a consciousness that is almost like the caretaker spirit of that area. 
Okay. And it's, uh, there's actually an old Latin term for this. It's the genius loci. So the, the spirit of place and uh, the Romans used to take this very seriously. They would have a statue in their home of the genius loci to protect them in the area. Right. And, um, and this is for instance, some hauntings, right. They can be uh, a caretaker spirit that is upset with you and possibly for good reason. You know, let's say you move to a place and in the backyard, you're storing old paint cans and they're, you know, seeping into the soil and you're causing environmental damage. Uh, in that kind of situation, a, a spirit might, like a genius loci, a, a caretaker spirit might look at you as an invasive species and be trying to push you out. Right. So in that kind of situation, it's like, okay, you know, I'm not going to you know, tell you how to push the spirit out. I'm going to tell you how to come to an understanding with them, how to fix the situation that you have, right? Yeah. And this is why in a haunting, we always feel like you got to get to the bottom of what's happening before you become reactive, before you're like, send it away, send it away. Um, you know, we, we once had this situation where um, Lauva was going into the garage one morning and she felt this kind of canine, like this dog-like thing push past her legs and go into the garage and we, we did have a dog at the time and uh it but it was clear to me that lava was in trance because first off the dog wasn't allowed in the garage and secondly you know lava went into the garage and then came back in and didn't bring the dog back in right so very much tranced out and uh, but later that day i go into the garage um, uh, I was actually looking for a place to record some podcast episodes because uh, my, my the current place was no good at the moment. And I'm looking around, I'm in there for like a minute. And I, I turn, I'm turning around, I'm looking at a mountain bike I have over there that I go on a daily ride with. And as I'm looking at it, the, the rear wheel explodes and like just explodes super loud. And there's a, and, um, and of course, you know, it's a dusty garage. So I see the shock wave go out like six feet, right? And uh, <laughs> and um, so, of course, that got me into reactive mode, right? It's like, whoa, something is. And I go and talk to Lauva and she relates the fact that she felt this being pushed into the garage. And I'm like, ah, okay, we got something in here that's causing property damage. So we grab our drums and we, you know, cleanse the house and I'm out in the garage and I'm, I mean, at this point too, I'm like, whatever did that get out, you know, and I'm, I'm quite upset. And then, um, so later that day, when we come to our senses, Laova does some channeling and we ask, okay, what was that? What was that all about? And it turns out that a, a spirit of the land, a, a consciousness of the landscape that was very kind of canine in its, in its consciousness, uh, you know, that, these spirits, spirits of the land, who we create the symbiosis with in our spiritual practice, right? We create the situation where we are giving to them and they're giving to us. I scratch your back if you scratch mine, right? I give you these gifts and this energy and, and, and you know, and basically they tend to like you and start looking out for you and guiding you and this kind of thing. And so, uh, you know, spirits of the land had basically diagnosed that there was something wrong with that tire and that it was probably going to explode when I went on a ride later that day. So they protected me. They basically possibly out will save my life if I had been near traffic. Um, and they, you know, made that tire explode while I was conscious of it. And so I could kind of see it go and, and understand what was going on. And of course, at that moment, I felt terrible. You know, I had been a real 
meaning to this, you know, to this being. And so instantly I'm like, okay, please come back. You're more than welcome in the house. Come back, come back. You know, we went back to our, we have a, we have a, uh, we have a stone circle, a little stone circle in the back. And we, you know, gave, you know, plenty of little gifts to the being like, okay, here's some energy, you know, please thank you. Be in our lives. We really like you now. Uh, But this is an example of how uh, you don't want to be reactive when it comes to a paranormal situation. You want to understand the situation fully before you react. Otherwise you're, you know, a, a primate who sees a snake and you're acting all, all scared, you want to understand the situation first because then you can make good decisions. Yeah. And uh, to to circle back to, you know, your question about like why, like in the case of the house and my parents, why was I thrown out of the bed? Um, what's the difference between, you know, that spirit that kind of did make something explode, but for a good reason, what was the reason for me, like to be thrown out of a bed, right? Um, and what we we came of an understanding is that um, I disturbed his space. Uh, there's a lot of paranormal encounters when you, you know, you clean the attic or you do renovation um, and so on. So when you're kind of disturbing the, the space, and this is what I did at the time, I was in the attic for a big part of the day. Um, and also the other possibilities, because, you know, it's, you, you cannot confirm always what it is, but you can have, like, you know, an idea, uh, especially because at the time I was not there yet, right? It's kind of uh, something that I just encounters. Um, but my parents, they were living uh, close to a um, camping site that was for people in recovery, uh, like the AA and, uh, you know, like other people that... Substance abuse problems. Yeah. And, and not only that, it wasn't nearby. It was like, you know, imagine, okay, the house on the street there, right? That's where they're living. And then the the compound that was this, this uh, substance abuse retreat was in a u-shape around the property right so yeah. it was it, they were completely encapsulated by this right and and so what we think is that you know all these people that are in recovery well they have a lot of you know trauma a lot of energy that like that i mean maybe the being that is living in the house is feeding on that type of energy. So it can attract certain type of spirits to live around too, uh, if we talk of ecosystem. I mean, it's like if you're a fox and there's tons of bunnies around, you're going to stick around, right? So same kind of logic goes with uh, spirits as well. And uh, one other dynamic with hauntings that's useful to bring up now because you mentioned energy is that ultimately for a spirit you know it needs energy to do things right it needs kind of that spiritual energy and it can it can get it from humans in many ways it can get it from emotional energy from psychic energy even life force energy right your chi your prana and something that happens often in a, in a haunting especially a, a, a being that seems to actually be purposely trying to freak you out is that it's almost like an investment strategy by the spirit and it has this limited amount of energy that it, it has right yeah. and it wants more energy right it wants to be able to do more things to experience more reality and so it looks at you as potential food and one of the easiest emotions to elicit from someone is fear right? It could also feed off love, right? But, you know, who's going to give love to a random consciousness that's in your house, right? Uh, so, you know, it can get fear. And and so, you know, it uses its little bit of energy and it, you know, 
makes a tapping at the wall or something, or the experience of a tapping, you hear it. And you know, that freaks you out and it creates some fear. And uh, and therefore it, it feeds on that fear, it gives it more energy, and now it can do even bigger things, right? Now you hear some footsteps upstairs. Okay, now you're really creeped out. And then eventually, you know, the doorknob is jiggling and all this. And it's this positive feedback loop, this upward spiral where you're giving fear, you're giving energy. And at the same time, it's becoming empowered. This is why the best thing you can do if you're in that kind of haunting scenario is just start joking with it. Like, okay, I know you're trying to get a rise out of me, you know, go away. You know, uh, you know, I, I'm not taking you seriously. I know you can't harm me. And I, I know what you want. Right? Yeah, that's the first step. Then you can have tool to see if it's what type of spirit it is. Because if it's, you know, if it's a, a being, then you can help them, you know, and so they can move on in the afterlife. They can find their place. They can kind of detach themselves from the from the house and then kind of move along with the healed ancestors and like join the ancestral realm. So that's that's another part of it, of the hunting is like, instead of just uh, kicking someone out, uh, you can actually help them move on and heal in the afterlife and like help them. Because a lot of people, uh, or you disturb their space and they are attached and they, they didn't move through their, you know, they still have unfinished business, but also, if you offer them the opportunity to move on, they, they probably will take it. Like most of the time, they will be like, okay, yeah. A lot of time, they don't even know they're dead. Yeah, that's, that's there's a, a lot of, well. the, yeah. So, yeah, and well, and, and Laova, she does a ton of psychopomp work. And this is part of the shamanic path. That's what we teach in, what, month nine yes. of the program, actually? Yeah. Anyways, uh, it's um, it's basically helping the souls of the dead pass over mm-hmm. and, and helping to heal them as well, right? You want to address their soul loss and such before they pass over. And, uh, yeah, Laova does it every day. You know, she uh, she enters trance and, and passes souls. Yeah. Uh, Beautiful. So when when you all are doing your your programs and when you're working with people, if you're helping people, you know, with a spirit situation at their home, do you do everything virtually or do you all go in person to these places? Virtually, actually. I mean, if it's convenient, we'll we'll do local, but uh, you know, especially in the age of COVID, not going far. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, it once again, once again, it's it's our philosophy when when it comes to this stuff of we're not going to clear your house for you <laughs> you know it's you're the one living there wow. you're the one and you you know as i say you're a being of light living in a in a human body you got to realize you have the power and authority to do this you don't need priests you don't need a hierarchy you can do this yourself you can set your boundaries yeah you can we call explain how to do it we really want so, people to be in power in their house and knowing that they can do it yes so we we're all about empowering and then um and then giving the person the tools to to do it themselves and throughout their life, right? Teaching you to fish. Yeah, of course, if there's really like persistent case, then that, that's another story. But usually like it goes, it goes smooth. If it's just a regular haunting, it's like, look, you can deal with it. Kind of a anxiety. Haunting. we're talking to Amity horror Amityville horror or anything like that yeah. and then okay fine you know we'll, we'll help out but you know because the other the big part too is that by being in a haunted house like that right don't look at it as just a problem look at it as a growth opportunity right we don't want to take that away from you to come into your own power to realize I can deal with this haunting myself I can interact with this spirit come to an understanding or deal with it you know and, and that empowerment that comes with it we don't want to take that away from you yeah, and then you feel also more safe in your house or anywhere you go. And then the, the encounters are not as uh, intimidating that they used to be. 
with the tools. Interesting. So I have a question. Why do you all think it is that some people are much more prone to have paranormal experiences and sort of a connection with with the spiritual spirit realm and others aren't? Because I remember having friends as young as, you know, grade school, high school, who said that they could constantly sense and hear spirits around them and, and others that had, you know, just a really just a strong spirits would come visit them and and kind of like bother them almost like you're saying, like someone who doesn't know they're dead or someone and other people have nothing like that in their whole life. Why do you think that is? It can absolutely be a natural skill that comes with you, with you. Um, I do want to note though, that with enough training and enough working at anyone can awaken these abilities, right? I don't want people to think, okay, you have to be born with it, right? But at the same time, it does it does tend to come well, easier to some people. It does go through family lines. Because you you were not you didn't have the ability before to do shamanic journeys and so on. I had to work out. Um, yeah, that's the thing. So the, the way we see it is more like you have people that are really left brain, very logical, that like structuring kind of uh their reality uh then this is more difficult for them um and also to let go and uh, there's a, a big part of it is to let go because when you want to be with the spirit world you have to kind of hollow out you know yourself to be kind of a an empty bone and so you can kind of having this flow inside of you so you can have this connection symbiosis with the spirits um, not everyone is comfortable with that because they really have to put aside their critis- critical mind judgment mind and just all the thinking going on and so what i tell people uh, when it's difficult for them to let go is you can just make instead of trying to kind of uh, uh, repulse the ego or repulse the thinking mind i say just make deal with it make a collaboration with your ego so you want to say or your left brain and and you say okay i know you like to analyze i know you want to make sense of everything we're gonna do that in like 15 20 minutes after the meditation session after the shamanic journey so you kind of put it aside and then you say okay you will be back you you will be back you will be able to analyze and do all the stuff you like but right now we go in the heart okay and we we just go here and we analyze and we not analyze so we go in our intuition uh, in our soul in our core and we work you know on a heart-based communication this is what I say, it's heart-based communication. You, you talk with your soul, you sense with your soul, and you can use your body, all the senses. And that's something that people are not always aware is that we think, we, oh, you have to see or you have to hear, but you can smell, you can touch, you, can, you know, there's feeling, there's little nudges. Sometimes it's even something uh, like just a drift of wind that uh, of, of nowhere, a weird thing, like a knock on the door. Uh, that you, sometimes you just, you know, brush off your shoulder and you're like, oh, I don't know, I, I probably hallucinated it. But then you can give the benefit of the doubt. And that's the first step, I think, when you're someone kind of skeptical or have not a lot of experience, but heard a lot and you're kind of unsure of your own experience. I say, always give yourself the benefit of the doubt. That's always the first step, you know, being like, hey, it might have been this, but it might have been something else too, when you cannot really find a reasonable, you know, reason for what happened. 
And so that, that's just opening the door slowly. <laughs> to it. That approach is very useful, right? Where it's yeah. like, okay, let me just have the pure experience. Let me get lost in actually just experiencing it, letting that channel be open. And then I'm going to engage in critical self-reflection mm-hmm. afterwards, right? Yeah. As opposed to always trying to self-censor and, 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 uh, and look at these things while they're happening yeah because you know like a shamanic journey is really like a lucid dream so you feel like you're there and you feel like you're kind of in control but at the same time there's a flow that is carrying you and so there is a conversation with the spirit you know it's not just like you're receiving all this information no it is a conversation with them so people are afraid when they are using their imagination to communicate with the spirits and so let's say you receive um i don't know an image of a of a forest and then you're seeing uh the owl and i'm on the owl team today and then (laughs) and then you um uh you receive that and you see the owl coming in and then uh, what are you gonna do right so you're like i'm gonna toward so i'm gonna wait or uh i'm gonna say something to the owl and then there's kind of an exchange okay then the owls will do something and you're kind of you it's it you're weaving together the experience and but a lot of people they're afraid they're like well i'm just come it's is it just in my mind it's just so it no it is a collaboration with them and um yes and then what i wanted to say is um i'm lost in my mind i was i was saying that the owl yeah, well, yes. <laughs> While you think about that, I will jump in with a bit of a metaphor for what you were saying there, mm. which is that this kind of, in a shamanic journey, when you're interacting with the spirit world, right? Uh, something that's happening, it's a lot like a uh, Dungeons and Dragons session in that, you know, in, in D&D, you have the the dungeon master, right? He's in charge and he's you know, so you, you're playing Dungeons and Dragons, you're in control of your character, but he's controlling the whole scenario, right? And, uh, and so the, the dungeon master, he paints the picture, right? You walk into this room and there are three doors and, uh, you know, you, um, and there's a fire in the center and, you know, sets the setting and all this. And you can very much look at that as the imagery that's coming from the spirit world, right? It's flowing into you. You're not constructing it. You don't have to think about it. Uh, but at the same time, there is, uh, you know, you have to respond to that, right? Because if you're interacting with the spirit world, then it's like, well, okay, I'm going to go and, uh, you know, open door number one, right? And so you have to kind of construct that. You have to put out, you have to think about it, and you have to put that out into the experience, Um but then, you know, after you say, well, I open, I, you know, my brave elf goes up to door number one and opens the door, right? And then, you know, the it's the dungeon master who then says, all right, and now behind door number one is a giant spider and your game is over, right? So, um, <laughs> but but it's that, it's that back and forth, right? Yeah. And so absolutely in a shamanic journey like that, there's going to be parts that you feel like you're in control because you have to choose your action, you know? Okay, I'm, I'm moving towards this, this, uh, this door, I'm moving moving towards this hallway or something. Uh, but then there's going to be parts of it that just kind of are flowing into you, right? And that's the dungeon master describing and you're experiencing it. And um, and so that is, uh, but the key there then is to kind of just be open to that flow, to just allow the experience to come in. And then afterwards, okay, engage in the critical self-reflection. But, you know, 
enjoy the experience while it lasts. Yes, I've I've found back what I wanted to say, and is that you tell your mind, you know, you don't try to analyze when you dream, right? You're just living the dream when you're dreaming, and so you you say, hey, you after that you can you can do an interpretation as much as you want, but during now we're dreaming, we're in the you know in the spirit world, so we just want the experience, we're the process, we're fully in the process. There's you know no judgment, no criticism, no nothing we're just living it and then after so by saying that to people it's it's helping a lot you know lowering the expectation there are people have a lot of expectation when they journey and so we have to work through that like lowering the expectation uh being open uh to anything to happen as well yeah wow what an incredible and fascinating conversation you both. This has been amazing. This depth of information and this dive into shamanism. You know, I've never, I've never dove down like this before. I haven't heard this component of it. I've never heard such a rich and, and in-depth way of explaining it. Thank you both so much for what you've created. Cause what I see you creating is really, again, people have these experiences and they don't know where to go. They don't know who to talk to. They don't know how to connect with someone that can. And it sounds like you're kind of a one-stop shop for somebody who's like, listen, I either I want to connect. I know it's there and I want to connect, or I seem to be connected and I, I think I'm going crazy and I don't know what's going on or something weird's going on at my house. They can come talk to you guys. You know, you're, I mean, I see this center is like this, this epicenter for people who are, cause again, I think that more and more, more people are having these experiences and becoming aware that this, there's something so much more around us all the time. There's something to the synchronicities. There's something to these messages, spirit animals that we see, you know, events that happen in our life, these catalysts and these big interruptions in our lives. So I just love what you both are doing. And thank you so much for being a team and speaking to this. And I'm really excited for where you all are going with this because it seems like something pretty big. Oh, so are we, you know, it's, it's, we live and breathe it, you know, that's, we're very fortunate to have the spirit world center. We can just make it our entire lives. And it's a lot of fun. Oh, yeah, we're very passionate. So it's, we have so many uh, projects. So yes. <laughs> Beautiful. So if people want to find you, find out about your projects or work with you, connect with you, how can they do that? So they can find our website at spiritworldcenter.com and center is spelt the American way with E-R at the end, uh, even though we're from Canada. And uh, let's see, um, we also have a YouTube channel. That's the Spirit World Center. We have uh, videos and stuff on how to do things and uh, how to do some basic techniques. And uh, we also have the podcast. That's the Spirit World Center podcast. Not a very original title, but um, <laughs> and that's available pretty much everywhere, Spotify and any kind of uh, any uh, podcast player or um, depository. And uh, let's see. We have see. Instagram too. We have our Instagram account. Yeah. Uh, that's spirit underscore world underscore center. And I think that, that's that, it. That's it. Yeah. We also have a Facebook page that we just put up again and so it has a few people on it but that's uh that's uh spirit world center on facebook all right <laughs> so awesome. just we'll look for the spirit world the- center on everything sorry yeah we'll have all those links in the, the show notes so thank you both so much for being on the show and for sharing your incredible work and your stories and for giving us such a a broad and deep understanding about shamanism in ways that i definitely never know and i, I know that most of the audience probably haven't 
conceived of it this way. I think mostly I think of shamanism, all I think is nature, connection with nature, relation with nature. I never really thought of it as, you know, this broader ecosystem and consciousness and all of these things, this trance state. So thank you for introducing new concepts. This is, it's always so important for people to be thinking in new ways, new regards. And I know that a lot of people are going to be reaching out and want to work more with you both. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. It's been an absolute pleasure, Whitney. It's been so much fun. So much fun. So thank you both. And I'll see you later on your show. Absolutely. Yes, Yes, it's going to be a great one. (laughs) Okay. Thanks again. That wraps up our beautiful conversation with our wonderful guests. Thank you so much for listening to the Women Waken podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please do share it with others and come back for more. If anything you heard resonates, leave a review or send me an email at Whitney at womenwaken.com and check out the website, womenwaken.com. Have a wonderful rest of your day and don't forget to let your light shine and keep an eye out for your special gifts and magic.